I'm Leanna Shield, and you're listening to The Cozy Sleuth. Today, Snips and Sleuths, I have with me returning guest Nancy Jarvis, here to talk about what's new in her cozy world. Nancy, would you like to introduce yourself to my Snips and Sleuths again? Okay. Um, I'm Nancy Lynn Jarvis. That's not my real name, but that's the name I used to write under. Um, I have written a seven-series cozy mystery um, called Reagan McHenry Real Estate Mysteries. I got tired of that, and now I've just released book four in PIP Incorporated Mysteries, which is PIP stands for Private Investigator Pat. She's a former Santa Cruz County law librarian who got downsized very dramatically on her 35th birthday, and she printed business cards declaring herself a private investigator so that she could try to make some money because she had just spent everything that she had to buy a sunshine yellow Mercedes convertible. And she thinks that she and her pets, Dot the Dalmatian and Whimsy, Lord Peter Whimsy, the cat, are about to be couch surfing. So it turns out as long as she's working for an attorney or for a government entity, she doesn't really have to be licensed. She can just pretend, and that's what she's doing. Um, I also did a standalone called Mags and the AARP Gang and edited two wild things. One Cozy Food, 128 Cozy Mystery Writers Share Their Favorite Recipes. Um, cozy Mystery Writers are wonderful. They're friendly, they're supportive, in addition to writing fun books with lots of humor in them, and oftentimes food. And so 128 of them sent me recipes from their books to go into this cookbook. And it, it's really fabulous because the recipes are from all over the world and in all time frames. And then I edited an anthology, 17 short stories uh, called Santa Cruz Weird. So Santa Cruz, as you may have guessed, is where I live and it is a weird place. And uh, they all had a, we had a fun time doing that too. Um, I've had a checkered past. I can tell you about that if you're interested. Out of college, I worked for the San Jose Mercury News. And then when moving to Santa Cruz, uh, worked for the, Santa Cruz library system until the little library that I loved kind of got removed from the system and is now an independent library. And then I worked for a very brief time for the Forest History Society and no one will ever convince me that that wasn't some sort of CIA cover because we used to get top secret documents through there all the time, which I always thought was really interesting. <laughs> and then I went to work for Shakespeare Santa Cruz as their business manager. And then finally got my real estate license and did that for a very long time. And then started writing just on a whim. And it was so much fun that that's all I do now. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is incredible. And so many books that you've done. That is so busy. <laughs> well, I started in 2008. So it's, you know, it's been a while that I've been working on this. Yeah. I get the have starting a while ago with writing. I I don't actually remember the year I started writing, but Facebook was kind enough to remind me recently that it was like 12 years ago that I published my first yeah, book. Yeah, don't you love those, <laughs> your memories? Yes. Yeah, then you're like, excuse me, what? <laughs> I've been doing this for how long? Oh my golly, yeah. <laughs> exactly, you're just gonna like, um, that can't be right. 
It seems like only yesterday. What? <laughs> well, I just keep trying to figure out how I can have a 46 and a 48 year old son when I'm only 42. I that just mystifies me. <laughs> so you've given a long list, but is there anything particularly shout-worthy that you've been up to since our last talk? Well, I think it's the PIP series. Um, I think the last time you interviewed me, it was for The Corpse's Secret Life, which was book three. Um, this is a slightly different approach that I'm taking with this series. The books are, I mean, independent in that they, they be, begin and end, so you can read them and be done. But at the end of each book, Pat is getting a phone message from her next case. And there's also an ongoing romance in this whole thing. She met someone during the first book and book four is called Dearly Beloved Departed. And I didn't even think to bring a copy with me. I could have held it up. But uh, the cover shows a bride uh, with her bouquet kind of down behind her back. It's, it, she is from the back. There's her Dalmatian dot who is gonna be in the wedding next to her looking very worried. And at the front of what appears to be a wedding venue, there is a man in a dark suit laying on the floor. And so that, you know, when you, people are getting married, they say, dearly beloved, beloved, we're gathered here. And at a funeral, they say, dearly departed. So the title was quite deliberate, dearly beloved departed. And you have to read it to find out whether Pat gets married or becomes a widow before she's a wife. Oh. So that's the latest. And then I've already started thinking about the next one because <laughs> my mind does this. But a friend of mine um, confessed, there's no other way to phrase it, that her son was a sperm donor to put himself through law school. And she started getting phone calls from people saying, I think you're my grandmother. And so <laughs> um, it turns out that evidently her son was quite popular. And at this point, there are 10 known grandchildren, if you want. I mean, I guess they're grandchildren. They're genetically, they're her grandchildren. And so I decided that there had to be a mystery in there somewhere. So I already have the title. It's going to be called Donor 73101. I have the outline done. And I'm ready to start writing. Um, the real private investigator, Pat, is a friend of mine. She is a private investigator. She was the Santa Cruz County Law Librarian, and she just visited um, this last week. So I got to sit down with her and say, okay, Pat, how do I start this? How do I, what do I do? What do, you know, how do I do it? She's really helpful. Writing real estate mysteries was easy because I'd been a realtor, so I knew how it worked, but I've never been a private investigator, so I rely on the real Pat to tell me how to do that. But yeah, it's a, there's always something going on. And then the other thing that I decided to do that's completely unrelated, I'm starting to grow hops. I don't like beer, but <laughs> hopefully I can grow hops and sell them to either home brewers or to you know bigger breweries. And that could be fun. So right now I have a whole bunch of little green mounds at the bases of 20 foot tall poles and we'll see what they do. They're supposed to bolt any minute and go up strings to the top of these poles. It's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Got to do something. Otherwise, I'll be bored. <laughs> and there's nothing more dangerous than a writer who's bored. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
someone commented on Facebook the other day, I have a little sign that says um, gardening because murder is just wrong. And I have that on my veggie bin. <laughs> and this person saw, saw a picture of it and he said, well, it's good you do that. And it, you know, that you garden so you don't have to kill somebody. And I said, well, you know, I can always kill people in books if, I, if the gardening doesn't work. <laughs> and I thought that was fun. I think I've seen one on Facebook or somewhere that said writing because murder is wrong. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't yeah. seen that one. I, I, I have to get one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> I agree that it's wrong, but. It's very satisfying, though, <laughs> if somebody irritates you that you can put them in a cozy mystery and make them a murderer or kill them or do whatever. Um, I'm a very visual writer. And so when I start a mystery, I know who the characters are, but I always begin with them being someone that I know. And very, very quickly, they get reassigned names because the people that I know won't do what I want them to do. But once <laughs> they have a different name, then I can manipulate. And, and sometimes they do still what they want to do rather than you know what I think they should be doing. And that's always interesting. But um, yeah, it is definitely very much fun to do that. The first book that I wrote, The Death Contingency, I'm not recommending it because I think it's the weakest thing imaginable, but I was <laughs> learning. Um, but it was real estate based and I used all these real estate characters and, and it, it's way too much about real estate and probably not enough about mystery or at least the first third of it is. But I, I it was a vengeance book. I. I named names, I changed them, of course, but I knew who I was talking about. And it was very satisfying to have bad things happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, since you've written so many series, what Only do you two series? Well, they're long running series. <laughs> they are long running series. And I keep telling myself when I get bored with doing PIP Incorporated, I would really like to write something called Geezers with Tools. Um, <laughs> it would be two retired men. One of them thinks he's a player and the other one is a recent widow and they manage to get together. And the player says, we should become handymen because there are a lot of single women out there and they need help. <laughs> And we might get lucky, at least we'd get dinner. And that's kind of their motto. And I, I have the beginnings of the first book for that, but, but that's definitely on hold until I get bored with the series that I'm working on now. So what do you find is the hardest thing about writing a series? Um, I think keeping track of the characters, so you're not repeating something that you have. Obviously, you have to give enough information in each of the books that people can pick them up and, and quickly understand who the characters are and what their relationships are. But, you know, I, I tend to frequently have them go to a restaurant too often, the same restaurant too often, and discuss things over that. And I realize I'm, I frequently are talking about spearing a salad with their fork. And it's like, no, I've already done that. I have to stop. You know, come up with some other imagery. <laughs> well, I've heard that places can easily become characters in the books. Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And one thing, I, I mean, this is again another wild aside, but there was a restaurant in Santa Cruz called Ome, 
Sichuan Chinese loved it, would go there, you know, at least two or three times a month. And in 2017, there started being rumors that the owner had contributed money to David Duke's senatorial race in, I think, in Georgia. I'm not sure if that was the state. And Santa Cruz is very progressive. And that's not something that's okay. I mean, it wouldn't be okay anyway, but it really isn't okay in Santa Cruz. And it turned out it was true. And so there was a huge boycott of the restaurant. And I got a call from the Santa Cruz Sentinel. It's our local paper from a, a reporter. And she said, I've read your books. I know your characters go there sometimes. Will they in future? And I told her, absolutely not. And we had a little bit of an interview. She said she was interviewing eight to 10 people, who, longtime people who'd enjoyed Omei, who were you know, feeling like, that's it, I'm done. And she said, how shall I attribute this? And I said, just say a you know, Bonnie Doon writer. I, don't, I live alone, I don't need publicity. Um, well, she put Nancy Lynn Jarvis. And oh. anyway, I happened to open Facebook and I had 11 death threats from people literally all over the world. It turns out there's a KKK uh, group in Santa Cruz. I didn't know that, but something called the Daily Stormer, which is a neo-Nazi um, white supremacist webpage. It's now printed in Russia. It's been booted or, or online in Russia. It's been booted out of every platform in this country, picked it up and used Nancy Lynn Jarvis. And so they had a picture of me smiling and holding a book. And they said, before we kill her, go to Amazon and let people know what we think of her. Since she's in favor of exterminating the white race, I think we should begin with her. I was absolutely terrified and, you know, with this and it was unbelievable. So I'm very glad that online I'm only Nancy Lynn Jarvis, not my real name, because they didn't know who I was really or how to get a hold of me. But scary things can happen sometimes. It's, it's a bizarre world. Oh. Yeah, very bizarre. And I am so sorry you had to go through that. <laughs> I could write a short story. <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't destroy us can sometimes leave us with good stories to <laughs> good basis for stories. <laughs> Definitely good basis for stories. Yes. <laughs> so is there something fun you've been up to or have planned that my listeners should know about? Well, I think the hops, I'm really excited about it. Um, you know, after the, the CZU fire, in addition to everything else that's going on, <laughs> much of California caught fire in 2020. There were unprecedented lightning strikes up and down the state. And there were, I mean, literally thousands and thousands of fires mm. started. And my community was decimated by them. And my house survived, but I still had to be out of it for eight and a half months because it wasn't habitable until it was repaired. But after that fire, when everything had gone from being the most exquisite redwood and other hardwood forest, where I didn't see another house and had views over the Monterey Bay to this gray, could have been the moon. It was so burned and so devastated. Mm. I really badly wanted to grow something green. It's just really important to me. And I thought about Christmas trees and decided 
after talking to a neighbor who said, please don't plant any trees near me. I just, that would scare me. So I hit on hops and it's just been really exciting. I have no idea what I'm doing, although I am educating myself. And eventually I'd like to, at this point I have six different varieties that are gonna be growing. I'd like to try and, you know, blend them or breed them. I don't know what the proper term is for, for doing that and see if I can come up with my own, which would be fun. But it's, it's been another excuse to get to know neighbors and to do completely different things. I had to get huge amounts of horse manure <laughs> in order to repair the land before I could plant these things. So um, all the manure came from local horses and it's all organic. And then these trees are these poles that have to support them um, three to a row are 20 feet high and five feet into the ground. And they've all been milled from trees that were burned or had to come down for one reason or another. So that's, again, organic and something rising out of the fire. And I've dubbed this Phoenix hops, which to me seems really appropriate. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really fun project. It won't stop me from writing though. I'll still continue to do that. But that's, it's, it's really an adventure. It sounds like it. And who knows, it might be the basis for a new story. <laughs> exactly. There could be another series about, you know, Farmer Nancy or something like that. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could kill a few people. I, I could think about that. Not my immediate neighbors, though, because I lucked out. They're really nice. But there are a few people who are irritating. Um, <laughs> it could be fun. So... What would you say is the best thing about your current book? Um, I think it has a lot of humor um, in it, which, which it was really fun to write. I'd been wanting to write this particular one for a while. Um, and I will, wow, I'm going to do spoiler alerts because I just told you that you don't know if she's going to be a bride or a widow. But there is a marriage in an ambulance, and it's really funny. <laughs> And you know it's it's hard when you write things you don't know it may be funny to you but you don't really know if it's funny to anyone else. And one of the things that I do when I write books I've, I've done this from the very beginning of it I read to a group called Well Connected. I guess at this point it's national, and these are senior citizens primarily, but people who are shut in and they're at this point they're all over the country, and so I I read to them right in the middle of dearly beloved departed. And I can either watch them on Zoom or I can listen to them. Um, even if they're muted, you can see them going at the right time. And that's really <laughs> fun because I get some positive feedback. And then when, when I finished reading each day, I'll say, what did you think about it? And they'll say, oh, that was really funny. Or, oh, we really liked that. Or, uh-oh, how could you leave us right there? <laughs> oh no you know, well see you next week kind of thing so um that's been a real joy oh that sounds wonderful and such a good way to you know kind of keep the pulse of your readers where it's like okay this per these people thought this was funny i'll keep it or this person exactly oh, didn't quite react right maybe yeah, i look at okay. it is it that I didn't read it correctly or is it not phrased correctly? And um, maybe I need to make some changes, which I can do. Um, it's not that hard to do, but so far so good. 
although it is interesting. I have a great copy editor and another editor who read my things because I can't edit my own. I don't know, you probably have the same thing. Your mind fixes it as you read it. And so they do what I think is a wonderful job. And after the two editors have finished, I always assume that it's everything is caught. And I'll reread it again before it's published and not find any errors at all. Well, it's really funny when I'm reading to Well Connected, they're not big things, they're little things, but it'll be like a, a missing parentheses or quotation mark or, um, I just discovered I had spelled one person's name, S-I-M-O-N-S, -S, in one, one place, and everywhere else it was S-I-M-M-O-N-S. -S. And, you know, it's like, how did we all miss that? But as many times as you read it, as many eyes as read it, you can never have too many people read and find things. Um, you know, it's, it just amazes me. Yeah, it's so true. And even the big published books aren't free from that. I read once one of my favorite authors and in the second book in our series, I think, there's a typo that instead of a one car garage, it's a one ear garage. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, what I've heard, and I, I, I don't know if it's true, but it is supposedly acceptable with the big six publishers to have eight typos for every 100,000 words. Mm. That seems like a lot to me. Yeah. yeah. It really does. So hopefully mine are a little better than that. At least they get there um, before they're published. But again, it's really easy, especially with quotation marks. You know, occasionally you just, you know, say a few words and then rather than having the end quote and then some descriptive thing and then go back to the person speaking um, every once in a while, they're missing. I found, I think I'm, I think I'm to page, I don't know, 79 at this point in reading it. And I think I found three of those and it just, it's just so glaring when I see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And it's just crazy. Cause like you said, you have beta readers, you have yes. <laughs> line publishers, you have however many people looking at this book and it just kind of gets to the point where you have to say to the typos who survived all this I salute you yes truly <laughs> you are a strong typo you are fighting very very hard perhaps <laughs> I should leave you alone and let you live yeah and, and it's just funny because there was actually a bookstore years ago that I tried to get my books in and she was worried that my books might have too many typos and people would return the books because of them. Well, you know, one thing I've discovered, as obsessed as the two of us can be about things, and I, I can spot a typo or, you know, something that's incorrect in anybody else's writing, just not in my own. But oftentimes, if I'm really enjoying the story, it's like, whoops, okay, and you just keep going. And hopefully people do that, that they're really into the story. And it doesn't stop them in their tracks. Right. And but even so, it seems like, you know, trying to be very professional and make this thing as, as clean as you absolutely can. And it's just, perfection is impossible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're human. 
right. surprise, we make mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I see I'm probably about to get kicked off of Zoom very soon because I have a time limit. Well, that worked out really well, because as I said, I'm at a friend's house because my phone is down and she's trying to work. So she's taking a little bit of time off of work. And I said, please, will this be half an hour? So that's great. I think we're hitting just about that mark. And I can say thank you to her and go home. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you for being on the show. And... Thank you for having me. I always enjoy it. It's fun talking to you. Yeah, it's fun talking with you, too. Well, Snoops and Sleuths, you've heard another great interview here on The Cozy Sleuth. I'd like to thank my fans for sticking with us through all this time. And I'd like to say, if you're a cozy mystery author out there who wants to come and chat about your books, look for me on www.thecozysleuth.com slash contacts, and we'll get you on the schedule. And if you want to hear Cozy Mysteries read by live actors, check out the Cozy Mystery Rats Maze wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, this is Leanna Shields saying, keep cozy.